0: If you're anything like me, your health is very important to you. I know you listen to the show for tips to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Well, I have some great news for you. James Miller Lifeology has partnered with BioOptimizer's Nutrition. As an avid nutrition and exercise enthusiast, I thought I knew a lot. But after taking the 12-week health course BioOptimizer's offers and implementing their supplements, I noticed a huge difference in my energy and my digestive tract. Since you're a listener of Lifeology Radio, Bio-Optimizers is offering you the same 12-week course absolutely free. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements to take this free course. Here is a sample of what you'd learn. How to get 70% more energy in 30 seconds or less. The ultimate key to high performance, health, and longevity how to turn the tide against uncontrollable food cravings, how to select the most powerful supplements for you, how to stay lean and trim without sacrifice, the simplest and fastest way to detoxification and great skin, and much, much more. To get access to this awesome health course, simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements and sign up today. Once again, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you examine your self-soothing behaviors. I'll also be interviewing Erin a holistic health coach, food abuse counselor, and author of Why Can't I Stick to My Diet? How to End the Food Drama. She explains the number one reason why you can't stick to your diet. For more information about Erin, please visit ewwellnesssolutions.com. You may also purchase Erin's book on Amazon or in the store at jamesmillerlifeology.com. way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and click on the page, Work With James. Fill out that form to get started today. Self-soothing behaviors. In psychology, we teach that whatever we perceive to be true, in other words, what we think determines what we feel. What we feel determines what we do. In life, that happens so fast. We immediately assess the situation We feel something and our body reacts. As children, we learn many different ways to self-soothe. As a child, many children would have a security blanket, a pacifier, or suck their thumb. That's what they did when they felt a certain way. And what we don't realize is as adults, we do those same types of things. The way to look at it is this. Every self-soothing behavior is broken down into five categories. And those categories are actually your senses. For example, your sense of sight, sense of touch, taste, sense of hearing, and sense of smell. As adults, we recreate our self-soothing behaviors in the adult fashion. For example, if people are overwhelmed and if they use their sense of sight, often they will distract themselves by watching TV or movies or reading a book. For your sense of touch, you'll find that many people will pace some will overexercise, some will draw, or even doodling. And what I mean by that is this, have you ever been on the phone before? And you get deep into a conversation and you grab a pen and you just start doodling on the page. That's actually a form of self-soothing. You're helping your body concentrate by doodling on that page. Or you're on that same phone call and you stand up and you start to pace. That movement is a sense of touch that you feel in your shoes and that you feel in the movement that you create. Everything we do is a version of how to help ourselves concentrate or to remove any type of stress that we feel. Our sense of taste, we definitely know that one. Many of us overeat, and that's when we have a comfort food. We perceive something, we feel sad or depressed or lonely, and then we engage in our sense of taste by overeating. Your sense of hearing. Many times, if people grew up in a home that had a lot of domestic violence or or a lot of yelling, they will find that their self-soothing behavior for sense of hearing is they too will yell. That is how they reduce the energy in their body, and it, quote, helps them self-soothe. Of course, we can use our sense of hearing by listening to music, or relaxing soundscapes, or even guided meditation. And lastly, our sense of smell. It's unfortunate because we often don't use this one, and it's a very important, a very powerful one. Did you know that the nose can recognize up to one trillion scents? That's amazing! The different scents that we smell is actually linked with memory. Your nose links all the memories together, so as soon as you smell something, it can transport you back to a time in your life. If you find that there's a certain scent or certain smell that really brings you a sense of comfort, by all means use that. Many people don't realize that the scent of lavender is one of the most powerful scents. And In my field, we actually suggest that people who suffer from anxiety use some type of essential oil diffuser with lavender. You'll find at night or even just during the day that it calms you down. So I explained all the different ways our self-soothing behaviors are demonstrated by our five senses. So if you recognize what is your go-to, do you check out all the time by reading or watching movies or TV? Do you find that you're always pacing, you're doodling, you're drawing? Do you find that you overeat? Do you find that you always have to listen to music or that you perhaps yell a lot or you immediately check out by putting your earbuds in. And lastly, if you do use your sense of smell, hopefully you use that one in a very powerful way. So the great thing is, is when you recognize, once again, what you perceive to be true determines what you feel, determines what you do. If you recognize your go-to self soothing behavior category, or in other words, one of your senses, then you get to determine how to use that go-to sense in a healthy way. If you use your sense of taste, you can still use that. It just doesn't mean you overeat eat with it. You put something in its place. So it's exciting information because when you recognize what you're experiencing or what you're doing, you then can decouple the negative version of your self-soothing behavior by implementing something that's healthy for you. So your self-soothing behavior is a wonderful thing. Just have to make sure that it's healthy. Erin Wathen is a holistic health coach, food abuse counselor, and author of Why Can't I Stick to My Diet? How to End the Food Drama. Erin understands the science and mechanics of health and knows how to break it down to everyday talk for her clients. Her philosophy, simply put, health isn't a number on the scale or how often we exercise, but our lives as a whole. She partners with her clients to work on solutions that fit into their lifestyle, empowering them to live their healthiest life in our crazy world. Welcome to my show, Erin. Thank you. It is a pleasure to have you on my show. My listeners don't know this, but Erin is very gracious. We had some technical difficulties, so she's back again for this interview. So the second one's going to be even better than the first one. So thank you for your time, Erin. Of course. One of the big things that has always been in the media is diet, you know, our exercise, all of those types of things. Why do you think that that just consumes our culture?
1: A couple of things. First of all, I know that we're super obsessed with appearances,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and yet we're consumed with food.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, we want it all.
1: <laughs> so, so right there is a right there is a dichotomy. Uh-huh. And then we also don't really ever like to solve anything. If you notice, as a culture, we kind of like to just like you know surface level stuff. Mm-hmm. So when it all comes together, I think that's sort of how we have like the diet culture. But also, and a side note, just biologically and, you know, um, emotionally diets don't work because inherently they're set up to fail. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make a lot of sense if we starve ourselves to look a certain way so we can finally eat the way we've always wanted to eat. Why would that change stick?
0: Sure. Yeah. It
1: doesn't doesn't make any logical sense. And yet I guarantee you, millions of people right now are doing that Mm -hmm. and I used to do it so I'm not you know throwing stones at all but that's what so many of us are told and taught and heck there's detoxes and cleanse and resets and you know billions of dollars on the concept of if you starve yourself for 21 days then you can look how you want to look all summer so on that note you know pass the mojitos (laughs) that's not how your body works first of all Mm -hmm. And what I've learned and what I know, which is more important is what got you in this situation in the first place is what usually is going to get you back here. So if you're not dealing with emotional issues, which is almost always what it all comes down to, Mm -hmm. and the food is the symptom that becomes a problem, but it's not really the problem. It's,
0: It becomes a problem, but it if becomes, it's part. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh-huh.
1: It becomes a problem. But everyone always thinks it's carbs or ketos or, you know, it's fat grams in the, you know, the 90s or whatever. But it's actually how we deal with the world. And then we go find, you know, back of cookies. Mm-hmm. When we're not, you know, handling our feelings or life or traffic. And so we're looking for the answers in, you know, something other than, Handling our feelings or sure. journaling or talking to another human being or whatever we're doing. So unless we go get to that foundational work about ourselves, we're sort of destined to, you know, get back in this need do a cleanse by 4th of July state. But, you know, there's always someone that's willing to sell you a cleanse. So it's pretty convenient.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it goes back to the whole thing of when we want this instant results, you know, the the whole concept that strength that comes easy is not strength at all. So if I starve myself for three weeks, like you said earlier, then I probably have a day or maybe three days to look a certain way. And then all of a sudden I'm going to balloon back up to where I was before. So anything that is not long lasting has has the endurance or has just the the patience and the um the long suffering, if you will, it's not going to be sustainable at all.
1: Totally. I mean I always um tell my kids they're twelve and nine and I'm sure they're really annoyed with my little <laughs> things, but I'm always the shortcut is to stop looking for a shortcut. So yes. you know, so just you know, just eat right, you know, exercise, get sleep you know, deal with your stuff when it comes up.
0: (laughs) Exactly. What was your story? Because you weren't always satisfied. I mean, you struggled as well for a little bit with your diets. What was it that happened for you that says, okay, I need to change this.
1: Yeah. I struggled a long time. I was one of those kids who was, you know, never super, you know, quote unquote fat, but I was never happy in my own skin Mm -hmm. and I definitely had, you know, bigger periods and lower periods and I, did Weight Watchers for a long time, and I actually worked for them. And I was one of the kind of people that had, you know, three different pairs of the same color pants in my clothes of the same style because, yeah. you know, I might one day get to my goal weight. Then I had the pair of pants I could count on. I would fit into most of the time. Then there was a pair of pants if, you know, I had a crazy amount of bloating. So it was just like
2: mm-hmm. I would I could
1: never count on what I was going to look like. But I just reached a point a couple years ago where I had been a very, very good exerciser. I'm certified in spin and Pilates and yoga, and I was teaching it. And I was just like, what's going on? Like, why don't I look how I should be looking or how I felt like I should be looking? And I remember saying to my husband, like, why aren't I any thinner? And he's like, I don't know, I mean,
0: whatever. He probably, knew <laughs> he
1: probably knew there was no right answer to that question. And he, <laughs>
0: That's a loaded question. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. He's like, you look great in those jeans, honey. Um, But once I really started looking at my diet, and really took a big step back into what my long-term outlook with food had been. And I didn't really have one, first of all. And then when I really thought about how much sugar and artificial sweetener I'd been ingesting since I was about 12, that's when really things started to shift in my brain. And in my body and on the scale, the scale was like an afterthought at that point. I just knew that I couldn't keep, you know, dieting and not knowing what I was going to look like. And just the constant. It's exhausting. It's it totally exhausting. And now that I know so much more about like brain chemistry and moods and mm-hmm. actually how eating that way is – will give you low levels of depression, even if you don't have it.
0: Exactly. Yes. It really makes
1: does. a lot of sense as to why my energy levels were so low or why I was perhaps a little bit moody, but, um, <laughs> but you know, taking in that much sugar and lack of nutrients too, because when all you care about are calories, you know, a bag of gummy bears equals a meal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but you're not actually, Maintaining blood sugar control or having any real food, but you're having, you know, 600 calories or whatever it is So all those years of dieting were like going against me on a certain level to actually be satisfied But it wasn't until I really got serious about the nutrition side of things Mm -hmm. And you can't really deal with nutrition without dealing with the emotions Yes Because like I deal with all my clients, all roads lead to relationships, which emotions, the foundational issues you know, they can think that the problem is their boss and it gets back to, you know, all things lead to themselves. So with my own story, I had always just been one of those people that, you know, my life was feeling very lifey or there was traffic or the kids are making me nuts or whatever. And where sugar, like sugar was mine.
2: Mm, your go to. Yeah.
1: Um, and really like high glycine, sorry, high fructose corn syrup was really my extra special friend, like some people are like chocolate people or savory. I was more like straight up HF, um, CS kind of person, but <laughs> now
2: fun- we're getting real
1: <laughs> how concentrated. Can you make it Yeah. so, and thankfully they make it really cheap. So it's really easy to get to, but that's what my, you know, drug of choice, like the little rats
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: studies. So when I really connected all those dots, That was when I noticed, hey, you know, that was probably why I reacted that way. And also just the gallons of Diet Coke I had been having
2: for years and years. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But what's fascinating about all of those things, looking back on it, is how many specialists and doctors I went to for various things, and no one ever asked me what I was eating or drinking. Like when I go to my dermatologist, because I still had acne in my 30s, and they would just, you know,
0: put, Treat the, know, the symptom,
2: sure. Kind
1: of like a, exactly. All surface level things. Like, give me some sort of cream or laser or something. And never ask me, like, what are you eating? Same thing with the dentist. Like, I was eating cavities and they just said, you know, you need a floss. It wasn't, you know, what are you eating? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things of, let's just deal with the symptoms, not the problems. So, that is what ended, or so what got me on this path of, why was I unable to stick to my diet and why was it so stinking hard for others to as well because it's not like we're bad people it's not like we don't mean it when we start it's a biological thing first mm-hmm. of all because the food is working against us there's a huge amount of money and industry and just crazy amounts of and really things we're not even aware of in our food that
0: I don't know sure, yeah we have no it idea tells our
1: brains you know you want this and then whenever we don't really deal with what is making us eat when we're not hungry it's really all just you know we're we're only like making a certain amount of time until we're going to get back in the situation because you know we can do a 21 day you know cleanse but it's not going to really do any lasting change until we realize And this isn't always fun stuff. Why are we eating when we're not hungry?
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: that that is a lot. Less fun than just going on a cleanse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That is something that we often don't like to look at, especially in the middle of the night or we're just going to bed and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm hungry. And the next thing you know, I've eaten a whole bag of chips. You're like, what is going on? And then we go to bed and then we start the day over and then sometimes those same behaviors can happen again. Is this why you wrote the book, Why Can't I Stick to My Diet? How to End the Food Drama?
1: It is because I um, felt like that was a really good way to get my message across. Uh-huh you know, especially with the, um, this is, people always die when I say this after 50 shades of gray came out and I realized that women will read stuff on an e-tablet. They might not necessarily read on a book, mm-hmm. like a traditional book, but having this sort of information on, you know, a phone or an e-tablet would be a really good way to get it across because it's lengthy enough that it's not just, you know, an article in the magazine, but it's not so much information you need to, you know, Take it over like a month or something, but why I wrote a book was I like there was people need to understand the science. They all need to understand like where I'm coming from because mm-hmm. if you were just to talk to me now or see me now, you're like, okay, she's she never had a problem a day in her life. Well, actually, I did for many years. Sure, and the reason why so many of us do is because we never really understand like it's not that we're bad and it's not that we can't do it because our life is crazy. I was just, I, last weekend I was with a bunch of my um, college girlfriends at a reunion and you know, this topic was very popular to them because they wanted to know all about what what I've been writing about, (laughs) what I've been doing. Women love weight loss and they, in a sick way, they love talking about it. (laughs) And it came up over and over again, like, you know, what I've been doing and how, you know, how this and why that. And, the common theme kept being, "Well, I'll do it once, dot dot dot." You mm. know, once you know the school is over, once my job yeah, comes, always a reason. Yeah. Once my husband's not traveling as much, and I kindly but firmly said, "You know, there never is a good time. So let's just start tomorrow." Mm-hmm. And, you know, because there never is a good time. So let's just rip off the band aid and do it, because I think or I know. One of the problems when we look at change is our brain's like, things are fine, you know? Like, let's just not get uncomfortable (laughs) because (laughs) because we know what over here is like and it's not that bad. But part of us does know that there needs to be something – there's got to be a better way. Like, this is crazy town. But we're so used to it. And also, dieting is very popular. Like, you know, hey, guys, let's do this new whatever – and meet your friends together. And then you all have like a, you know, the last supper the night before and you
0: go, (laughs) you binge, exactly. You binge before and then then you go
1: off of it and then you complain it doesn't work. And then you, you know, it's just a whole way of life. And to just decide you're going to get off of that and, you know, end your food drama, you're kind of going against the grain in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because you're not, you're not going to play it anymore because it's, it's really mind blowing how much free time I have I mean I hadn't have time to write a book, I't have time to start a business, and you know take a, take on a whole bunch of other stuff because once I stopped being consumed with what i'm going to eat and how many calories I eat that day, it frees up a lot of bandwidth yes.
0: yes, it really does and it gives you that 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 liberty you experience because it's or that freedom you experience because you're not. You didn't realize how much that it was a part of your life. You know, I'm sure many people are now like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. But if you really stop and think about it, food is really what our culture is about. I mean, everything you look at, food and alcohol, those are pretty much the main things that everybody always wants. You know, if people have had a long day at work, oh, I need a drink. Or if people are, like you said earlier, are emotionally struggling with something, oh, I need some pizza or I need this or I need that. And that's really how we connect all the dots together. And so I'm sure it's going to be incredibly liberating when my listeners really start, you know, obviously read your book, but start to not be so consumed with these, with the sugars or the foods or all the things that are always on their mind or in the back of their mind even.
1: Absolutely. It is really, really interesting to not care about food and not in a weird, like, automaton, you know, Dr. Spock or Mr. Spock, Mr. Spock, Star Trek, Mr. Spock kind of way. But just to really look at it like objectively, like, you know, I don't really feel great after I have birthday cake, Mm -hmm. birthday cake. In fact, it kind of makes my stomach hurt. And so if you want to have cake on my birthday, have at it, but I don't need it. Um, that's always interesting, but no, there's a lot. I mean, if I said to you, Hey, let's have a walk and talk meeting you'd be all for it. But odds are, I'd say, let's get a cup of coffee and we would just, it wouldn't even be a question like food and alcohol, food and drinks. It's like the meetings.
2: Mm -hmm. It is is.
1: culturally, you know, families like grandma and cookies, you know, you're religious. It's always around big hunk of meat or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, and I'm not saying let's eat nothing interesting on the holidays, but let's just put food where it's supposed to be, it's not supposed to be the highlight of our day or the highlight of our lives. It's supposed to just be what gets us
2: from- It's like, you like know,
0: fuel. You think of it that way, like a car. It's supposed to be
1: fuel. But something got lost in translation where, you know, I remember someone saying to me that they'd rather die than not eat processed carbs.
0: Wow. That's a bit, that's wow. a bit much. <laughs> that's a yeah, bit dramatic. Yeah. know.
1: I'm like, you know, that's probably, that's probably going to actually shorten your lifespan. But the irony you know, of
0: that, of course, is yeah. I know,
1: right? Exactly, like, same <laughs> as last words. But ha- food being that important to someone is is the problem, it's not you know bread, and you know, it's the fact that food is so important to you. Why is food that important to you? What are you hiding from with the food? Or, you mm-hmm. know, we can talk about that for 20 minutes, but but whenever we put food in its proper place, it's amazing what else comes to surface. And sometimes that is not fun. It's, you know, maybe I need to find a new job, or maybe my friends really aren't my friends, or I really need to address the fact that my mother always dot, dot, dot. And that can be uncomfortable. I get it. I totally get it. But we're going to keep getting back to this place like Groundhog Day, Mm -hmm. not make serious changes. And not only is it really frustrating and really like hurts our self-esteem but our bodies just suffer from it when we're always you know gaining and losing gaining and losing so once you just decide and really decide and there's you know no turning back and none of this like half measure stuff that you want to get to the bottom of you know why do you turn to food when you're having a bad day and decide you're going to look at things differently it, it can be done it yes. isn't you're not destined to you know be overweight because your mother was or your dad is or whatever. And I think a lot of us fall into these, you know, family narratives of everyone in our family's big bone. Are they really, or is it the amazing amount of
0: food you mm-hmm. eat together? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a very good point.
1: But we don't know unless we actually like get everybody on a, you know, whole food diet for a year and then see what shakes out because odds are you'll probably be a
0: lot smaller. But. Yeah. And that, that you're, that's, a, that's a great point, you know, the aspect of the family culture can really teach us. If your parents taught you that eating food because you are emotionally struggling with something, that is what is passed down to the child as far as that is how you deal with your emotions. And then that becomes a family legacy. So all of our family cultures and family systems teach us something. So all my listeners today, what are you teaching your children? What are you teaching uh, your extended family as well? Be that change in your life and in your family system. Once you work, so once you work on your own struggles, you can then teach the other people around you. Aaron, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. If my listeners want to find out more information about you or even work with you and purchase this book, Why Can't I Stick to My Diet? How to End the Food Drama. Where would they find this information online?
1: Sure. My website is www.wellnesssolutions.com and my book is on Amazon for another couple months. And then it's going to be in bookstores near you. So,
0: Oh, excellent. Okay. So Aaron, what I'm going to do as well is I'm going to put your book, once again, Why Can't I Stick to My Diet? How to End the Food Drama in my store at jamesmillerlifeology.com. So if my listeners aren't able to find it any other place, simply go to my store, once again, at jamesmillerlifeology.com and you can find Aaron's book there and it will link you directly with Amazon. Aaron, thank you so much for being a guest today. I really do appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much.